morning, everybody. This is Victoria, your dog guru, and today we're talking about deaf dogs. I actually had somebody write into the show the other day, and they mentioned that their new puppy turned out to be deaf, according to the vet, which is really, truly the only way you can be 100% sure. I mean, your instincts are one thing, but having it confirmed by a vet is a different thing. She actually had several questions for me. One of them was, how do I communicate with a deaf dog? Is it less safe than a hearing dog? Can it be trained like a hearing dog? Actually, the training is is very similar to what a hearing dog will experience. So I'm going to share with you ways to, first of all, identify if you think there could be a problem, if your dog is hearing or not hearing. And then we're gonna talk about some tips and tricks for you to start off, where to start, what it looks like, and what you need to focus as the handler and owner of a deaf dog. So let's get into it. First, let's think about identifying if your dog could have ear problems. So if you've had the dog for a while and you're noticing a major behavior shift, that could be an identifier. If you're noticing that there seems to be a lot more confusion when following familiar vocal cues that you would have, uh, excessive barking, prolonged barking, Ongoing and repetitive head shaking is usually a a pretty decent indicator, not necessarily of deafness, but that there is a problem usually going on with the ears. If you notice that your dog is experiencing pain in the ears or there's a discharge, especially if you're noticing an odor that you've not previously ever smelled, all of these things would warrant me telling a client, go ahead and have a vet check. Okay, so let's assume that you've met with a vet and they've determined your dog is in fact deaf. How do you communicate with them? Where do you start? You need to build a baseline of communication. And since I'm a huge advocate for positive reinforcement, I did that with positive associations. With hearing dogs, you can always mark a behavior. You can say yes and then reward, or you can give a clicker as feedback and then reward. I know some trainers recommend that you use a vibrational collar to give that feedback, that marker of right behavior. I don't recommend that, and I'll give you the only reason I don't truly think it's beneficial is that if the batteries fail, now you have a communication issue. So what I offer instead is teaching a series of hand signals. So now you're probably wondering how I mark the right response. Well, I manage this by showing the dog a specific hand signal for the treat. Just like I would if I were teaching a dog or shaping any other behavior, I would go ahead and offer a hand signal and then offer the reward. I will say that timing is of the utmost importance because if you don't reward the moment the hand signal is offered, the dog won't get the feedback that they would have picked up on had they been a hearing dog. And essentially you lose your window of opportunity. So make sure your timing is right on. If you give them, you know, like an open hand as a signal that you're about to give them a treat, leave the open hand for a second, the dog takes notice of it, immediately give a reward. Practice this one process over and over, and it doesn't have to be an open hand, but do make sure the association is positive and it's consistent. So whatever hand signal you choose that's easiest for you to remember to mark the right behavior, use that signal and only that signal every single time. Keep your sessions short because dogs can become overwhelmed regardless if they're hearing or not hearing. But when it comes to deaf dogs, I really have always advocated for frequency over duration. If you're currently using a vibrational collar, like I mentioned earlier, 
go ahead and cue those things up along with hand signals because like I mentioned earlier, you know, the caller could fail and that could be an opportunity for them to offer the wrong response because they haven't learned those same responses associated with different hand signals and they're always reliant on the caller. I will also note that vibrational callers are not negative reinforcement. It's the opposite. Every time they feel a vibration, they get a food treat, you know, affection. They are not correctional callers. They don't offer a scent. They don't offer a static shock. They only offer a vibration. That's it. In my experience though, they're not a necessary step. It can be helpful, but it's not a necessary step. What is a necessary step is connecting with your dog on a super consistent basis. They are much more visual and they become avid readers of body language. So that's one thing you wanna keep in check. What message are you showing visually to your dog? Is it a positive one? Do you seem invasive to them? And key into their body language. If you see a dog getting overwhelmed, you don't add insult to injury and push, 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 because in all likelihood, they're going to be defensive sooner or later. Once you've installed your positive marker and your dog has learned that whenever they see that hand signal, they are getting a reward, now you can start teaching other behaviors. So basic obedience is a great place to start. You know, your sits, your eye contact. But one thing that's unique to deaf dogs and I feel like can be a life-saving cue is teaching them to check in on you. What I mean by that is look back for you, try and find you, and a great way to do this is by making it super obvious at first. Perhaps place yourself on the other side of a couch or behind the couch. And then when your dog peers over, go ahead and offer your rewards hand signal. Make it random, pick different places all over the house, but keep it simple at first where they don't really have to search for you because you don't want them to have anxiety associated with finding you. But once they get some traction in this area and they start checking in with you, then you can kind of post yourself in a more difficult place to find. And when they go and seek you out, again, rewarding hand signal, you can give them feedback physically, like petting them. I mean, those markers of a proper response will stick with them. When it comes to having your dog off leash, this is a larger risk than for most other dogs. I'll tell you why. They can't hear danger, nor are they going to draw the connection of a moving car with a sound because they cannot hear. For clients of mine, I always advise that they have their dog on a long line unless they were in a fenced in area. This is really just for their protection and safety. If they were to ditch a collar and escape, they could be running for quite a while and guess what? You can't call them. So for me, it isn't worth the risk. When you're teaching new cues, build and shape gradually. For example, if I'm trying to shape a sit and the dog starts heading in the right direction, I'll offer my positive marker hand signal and then reward, pet them, let them know that they're headed in the right direction. Initially, you can practice a lot of your cues on a leash so that they don't just kind of walk off on you, but that's something that eventually, at least within the home, you can eradicate. I mean, you don't need to use a leash forever, but when you're gaining attention for the first time or you need them to focus in a way that they're not accustomed to, it's a great aid. With deaf dogs, once you have a really good association and a hand signal that they know is the positive marker 
for a reward, that's when you can start utilizing treats and food to get attention, like eye contact. You can start building on complexity and you can utilize treats to lure them and shape the behaviors that you really want because they're gonna be following the treat with their nose. That's really what luring is. It's baiting them into the right behavior. So, you know, if I were trying to teach a dog to sit, I would guide the treat from their nose towards their bottom and as their butt starts to make it to the floor, I would, with a deaf dog, I would start petting them. And when their butt makes it all the way to the floor, I would go ahead and give them the hand signal for my marker that they've done it correctly, reward, and stop there. One topic of concern that you'll notice associated with deaf dogs is their startling response, their reactivity, or saying that they're more liable to aggress because they're unaware of their surroundings. But actually, that's not necessarily true. Deaf dogs need the same consistency that hearing dogs need. They need the same predictability that hearing dogs need. But when it comes to startling, I avoid the obvious. First of all, if a dog is eating, do not approach them because they're focused right now on the food, not you. Another skill that I feel is not often enough addressed, but certainly needs to be addressed when it comes to a deaf dog is desensitizing them to physical bumps. I never start this, by the way, when they're sleeping. That's not the time to teach a dog something new. But I do, perhaps as I'm walking by them, gently bump them with my side. Not aggressively, not invasively, just kind of giving them awareness that that can happen. Because if I want to deter them from wanting to have a startling reaction, then I have to get them used to it. And immediately after I bump into them, I would jackpot the treats. I would give them a lot more treats than I normally give for other behaviors because that's building their tolerance. You want a positive association with what is a negative to them naturally. I mean, you wouldn't want someone to just bump into you and not say, excuse me. So when you gently bump into your dog, and I do not mean battleship hips here, I mean literally grazed by them, you need to mark that and you need to build that over and over because Physical stimulation can often lead to behaviors that we see in hearing dogs also. You know, we see hearing dogs who are startled respond in a similar way to dogs that cannot hear. If you have a really sensitive dog, which in all likelihood you do because it's deaf and so he's got a heightened sense of awareness. So if this is the case and you do have a deaf dog, start small. Don't necessarily bump into your dog to start off. Maybe just touch them and then give them a reward. Not even somewhere they don't like to be touched. Just touch them, reward. Touch them, reward. So that this becomes a normal dynamic for them, a normal part of their life, not something that they have to fear or react negatively towards. I would pick the same location when I'm working on this behavior specifically and practice, 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 and then maybe work up to bumping them gently, practice that for quite a while, and then I would build to other areas in the home or other environments because too much too soon can flood the dog and overwhelm them. So you don't wanna do that. You want this to be a positive learning experience. You don't want them to have an emotional shutdown on you. Another thing that I recommend is having nightlights throughout the house. So this way, if you get up in the night, 
your dog cannot always hear your approach. Sometimes they can feel the vibrations on the floor, but you can't make the assumption that they know that you're there. So since visuals would be a strong context within your relationship, it stands to reason that if they could see you, they'll feel more comfortable. Along with this, I recommend baby gates because sometimes you don't know when your dog is getting into something just like a young child. So having restricted access is actually a better thing for your dog. You don't want them to end up injured. They're not going to necessarily make their exit known to you. I mean, if they get into something and you're not there to guide them through the experience, it could cause anxiety that wasn't there and could have been avoided had there been a little bit more management. Also, make sure your property is secure. There are some dogs that are Houdinis and can get out of nearly anywhere, but for this reason, and for the dogs that are just generally interested in experiencing the world without your say-so, I recommend making sure there's a baby gate in front of every door and or two locks that they cannot reach way above eye level. So this way, if you have an escape artist, you're protecting them and preventing a very sad result or situation that can come from a dog escaping, even more so when they don't have a sense of the world around them, like a car approaching or a horn of a car, they're not going to know to avoid that. Most other dogs would go and take off in the other direction because they're going to recognize that something is happening. For a deaf dog, that association isn't gonna be there. They can't hear the car approaching, they can't hear the car honking, they can't hear anything. So a little prevention and being mindful of securing your space and the space that your dog is going to inhabit is really a big key. Now comes a unique challenge for a deaf dog, and that is waking them when they're asleep. You don't wanna just touch them and startle them awake because you're trying to avoid that response. So the way I would do it is pick a heavy scented treat, something unique. It could be meat, it could be a stinky cheese. The, the choice is up to you there. But what I would do is if the dog is laying down and is sleeping, go ahead and stand about a foot away from them. And then you would drop a treat right where their nose is. The reason I'm saying step one foot away is so that they're focusing on the treat and not popping out of sleep. A dog's nose works whether they're awake or asleep. So when your dog starts waking up to the smell of the treat, then offer your positive marker with your hand signal, reward, and give them more treats. Even better if you offer affection, but you don't wanna be invasive to your dog's space. So practicing this over and over when they're resting, but not forcing them to wake keeps the dog in a less defensive state of mind and it still increases your likelihood of waking them up when you need them to. I also think it's a great skill for a deaf dog to have to signal them when you need attention. This is in the context of, okay, so they haven't searched you out <laughs> or they're not checking in. So I use a movement hand signal, whether I'm waving my hand back and forth or something that will get their attention. And when I have it, I toss them treats. I don't wait for the dog to get all the way over to me. I want them to know that giving me that eye contact and looking in my direction was really the goal of the behavior. But consistency is key. So don't change the way you're trying to get your dog's attention. There are tips out there that'll say use a flashlight, but I've noticed that some dogs can be obsessed over light chasing. So for me, I feel like a hand movement 
can be just as effective if practiced often. My last tip is when in doubt, call a trainer out. Plenty of professionals have been exposed to deaf dogs in their careers and they know how to communicate with them in a positive way. So don't be afraid to reach out to a professional if you're feeling overwhelmed or if you have specific issues that need to be addressed that perhaps you don't know how to communicate to your dog. I'm going to include several links in the show notes about deaf dogs, how to communicate with them, signs of a dog being deaf outside of what we mentioned today, challenges, and just some literature for you to peruse at your convenience. This way you are informed of what it is like to live with a deaf dog and you don't feel subjected to it. Education can really ease your mind when it comes to living with a deaf dog. So the more information you have and the more support from a community of dog owners that are experiencing exactly what you are, the easier this process is gonna be on you. I will tell you, you're going to need lots of patience. You're gonna need to be very kind. And just because, I, I should note this, just because your dog cannot hear you, doesn't mean that they're not paying attention to your lips. So you can offer, just like a child learning to lip read, you can offer praise and say cues just like you would to a hearing dog. Because like I said, they're much more visual and they're experts at reading your behavior. So don't change everything just because the dog cannot hear you. Their instincts to adapt are very powerful motivators. And so I don't make the assumption that just because the dog can't hear me, they're not picking up on other things that my body language is offering. I wanna thank the listener who brought all of this to my attention. I have worked with deaf dogs before, but I haven't talked about them yet. So I think this was a really good opportunity to give you tips and advice on where to start, how to identify it, and to let other listeners know who may have deaf dogs that there is hope, that there is support, that you can get to a level of dialogue with your dog, even if it isn't verbal. If you have any personal questions about dealing with challenges or need more feedback on training a deaf dog, please send me a message. I would be happy to help you. I know on the surface, the concept of owning a deaf dog is somewhat daunting, especially if you're a new dog owner, if you've never had a dog before. So just know that there are answers to your questions. There are people who have experienced this and been successful. So don't give up, get educated. It's not over. I hope this episode lends itself to reaching people who perhaps aren't educated when it comes to deaf dogs. They don't have an awareness that there's a whole support system out there, that they don't need to reinvent the wheel, and they have hope in a process that may be foreign to them. As always, keep it positive, keep it consistent, love your dog, because they already love you. Like I said, within the show notes, I'm going to include several links as resources to you guys, since I have not written a book on this. Uh, I've just learned through experience with clients and consulting with colleagues on dogs that are hearing impaired. Please share this with people who perhaps have a deaf dog or a family member who has a deaf dog. You can share the link to this episode or to our page. I'm not going to delete this episode. I think it's going to offer a lot of insight into what a deaf dog is experiencing and how to handle each part of living with a deaf dog and how to train one. As always, please, if you like the show, 
rate us on iTunes. The higher rating we get, the more exposure and the more owners we can reach and dog lovers. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash dog guru podcast. And if you have specific questions, you can email me directly at dogguruehereforyou at gmail.com. That's it for me today, everybody. This has been Victoria, your dog guru. Namaste.